0: So Liz, I'm glad to, to meet you here virtually and, and I'd love for you to go ahead and just give us a little bit of background about your time with the library.
1: Well, I have a very long and not checkered, very long and exciting <laughs> cap. I've worked for libraries for 33 years and even before oh. that, I worked part-time in the public library. Okay. So I, I spent 25 of those years in elementary and the rest in high school, as well as, um, gosh, seven or eight years while I was still teaching and now part-time teaching library science students. Very nice. I teach an adjunct at Kent State University. Okay. Which I love. That's awesome, okay. So since you're teaching future librarians, you probably
0: know a little bit about, I'm sure you know a lot about this, but what are the requirements in your state to become a school librarian?
1: That's a great question. They are not nearly as stringent as I would like. Okay. Um, Well, it's because they're not required. Okay. So that's the big thing. And that's the thing that as a state organization, we continue to advocate for. Um, But you need, in order to get the license to be a school librarian, that's what Mm -hmm. they call in Ohio now, licensure. You have to have a bachelor's degree. Okay. Um, It actually doesn't have to be an education, but if you don't have one in education, then you have to take additional hours um, at the graduate school level in order to get teaching, what they call a practicum at that point. Okay. Um, So long ago when I was getting my degree in the late 80s, there was actually um, a bachelor's of science program. Okay. So, so my my bachelor's degree is Library of Science. All right. And then my master's degree is actually literature for children and young adults from Ohio State. Okay. And then so I don't actually have an MLS or MLIS. I kind of went around the back door. But um so Ohio, you have to have um you have to have a degree a, of one kind or another. Okay. And then you have to submit. The courses you took, and they decide if you have enough of the right thing. You also have to take um, a Pearson test. Okay. Which, you know, they have all those assessments for every possible, right. for everything in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to take one of those and pass it, and that's really what it takes to get licensure. Now, the caveat is, as of this right now, Ohio has des- designated something called resident education. So, You that's actually your your, when you get hired, you get hired with a four year provisional license. All right, it's almost like a mentorship program, okay, but but much more so than usual because it is it's four years you have to um, attend meetings, you have to put things together, you end up with a portfolio at the end, you have to send in examples of your teaching. Wow, I know. myself I'm thinking really I I think that needs to be like year five and six or something because you're already drowning yes first few years of teaching and to add all this on I don't know I think it's just like do you have the stamina to be a teacher but you know once again they didn't ask me so there we are okay
0: all right. So Liz, you, you mentioned you've had a
1: very long career
0: um, working with school libraries. Um, what do you remember about those first couple of years?
1: What what were they like for you? Oh, my. Well, I'll tell you the funniest thing. I was take, getting that bachelor's, that library degree, mm-hmm. and um, I had some domestic issues, and I ended up a single parent. Oh. So I was... Um, I, was getting while my children were little. Before that, I was working part time in the public library in the AV department, which was very quiet until videos. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then um, when everything happened, I went and got a job at a law school library. Okay, which I had a great time with. I was there a year. It was very different, but it was very very clear to everyone mm-hmm. that really, rather than law students who are really big children, I I belonged in. Um, the children's elementary world. Okay, So I um, was offered a job with Columbus City Schools. At that time, you most, I was a, like an aide, an assistant in the library because the actual certified librarians had like five or six libraries under them that they visited. But it was fine for me because I was getting my degree and it would be mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. But my very first day, Um. I walk in I'm in the library and I'm waiting I'm waiting for either the field librarian to come and you know give me a little orientation or somebody come tell me something and you know these children start coming in like by ones and twos one coming in and they would hug me and sit down and they were very touchy feeling uh, yeah. it was an informal education okay and I'm like after about the fourth child I said um what's going on why aren't you all coming in at once and they go well, we're getting our our heads checked for lice, and then we can. So I'm like, my very first that, that might have been my very last day. I'm thinking, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. I loved that school. I loved its philosophy of education, um, its approach to learning. So my my first couple of years were fantastic, even though I was just. An assistant getting a degree i was yeah a full member of the staff and we did all kinds of wonderful things That's many amazing. many author visits yeah the whole building actually engaged in yeah not just oh yay let's go hear somebody for a half an hour but we would get all prepared and everybody decorated and we had Brian J- jakes who's who mm-hmm. wrote the fantasies red wall series okay and everybody because we read the books at least the first one, and every classroom took on a different type of character because, you know, they were all different worldland creatures, and they all had kind of their own little um, way of life, their democracy. Or So each class did that, and they decorated outside their room accordingly. Uh, one teacher, they actually, they were some kind of birds, and they made a gigantic bird's nest. So the whole building is is decorated everybody knows the stories yes that's awesome it was and because brian jakes was a storyteller primarily um you know he didn't just come in to recite what they already knew he could tell from their reactions Mm -hmm. what they knew and so he would go off on another tangent and he was very descriptive and his voice would change and i mean they remember him i'm sure those children remember him today still what a great experience that was for everybody. That's awesome. And
0: I love, too, how you started, you know, talking about the, your AV experience, yes. um, your audiovisual experience. And, you know, people will say, oh, man, librarians are just, they're they're new to the technology world. It's like, no, we're not. No. <laughs> We've been we doing technology for decades and decades, but it's just we're, we're, we have to stay on top of it, you know, because it's the technology that's changed. Exactly. Um, You know, our role has always been to support that. We're just learning new kinds of technologies and new ways, you know, to
1: support teachers and students, you know, as we're in that school, the first computer with the floppy disk. Yeah, it was put in the library because my space was air conditioned. Oh, okay. And so I I learned how to use it. I, you know, it was it was not for children, children's use at that time. I had to teach yeah. teachers because everybody was getting a graduate degree. We were right next to Ohio State, mm-hmm. um, but I could use it for all kinds of things. And then when I went to my next school, which I went from this all city draw of Columbus, which was a great experience. You had graduate students who were there from another country with putting their kids in and neighborhood yeah. kids, it was, it was lovely. I went from that one to a, a very affluent district elementary. And, um, but when we were able, I know I did, the student council and I had enough money together to get the very first um, computer that you could put um, the CD discs in. Ah, okay. And I can remember, you know, a whole class standing around me at the computer and all enthralled yes. as we we're watching and listening to Martin Luther King's speech. Yes. You know, and you think today, while well, they all have their own computers, they would never stand still for that. But it was such a great beginning to see yes. where it went from there. It's exciting. And yes, you are the tech person by
0: default. You are. You are for sure. And, that, and I think it's so important that our libraries remain that way, like the hub of everything, because we can be the access for everyone, you know, teachers, students, everybody to kind of test out and try new things. And, um, and and we're going to be on the ball with it as well. So, all right, well, Liz, looking back, is there any kind
1: of advice or tips that somebody could have told you that would have just been wonderful to know back then? Really, um, I'm going to talk about collaboration and that it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of energy. Yeah. And um, all that, but I had been there several years, and I was on a flexible schedule. And all of a sudden, I look up from my desk, and all these fifth grade students start coming in. They come in and they start researching something on the computer, and I'm like, "Hi, what you doing?" <laughs> You know oh we're, we're working. I'm like oh that's great but I, they keep coming and I finally realized it's not like a group it's an entire class okay and, and behind them pops up the teacher and she goes I'm sorry I told the kids we were going to start a new project today and I turned around to get something and I look up and they're all gone because they're for, they're, their first step was you go to the library go to the library yeah and I'm like, yes, that's exactly what you want them to think. Yes. So it was wonderful. That's good. So that, that's a kind of a mindset, you know, that we, that yes. new people can work on, you know, growing um, with their students. That's right. Very, very yes. The fact that it does, it, it doesn't happen your first year. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, it takes a couple years and to change everybody's view and have them trust you as a, as a fellow educator. Yeah. Definitely. All right. So Liz, um,
0: you know, we're still in the pandemic, you know, so to speak. Hopefully we're on the, definitely on the backside of it. That's what I'm hoping. But um, we know that a lot's changed, you know, with our profession and our services. Um, But how would you, how would you describe that? You could talk, you know, if you want from your role, maybe your viewpoint as a professor, you know, how you're seeing students or or just any
1: kind of angle that you want to take. How have you seen? How have you seen the pandemic change our profession? Well, um, the program at Kent State that I teach in um, is starts at graduate school level, okay. and it's a hundred percent online. Okay. So that actually didn't change very much at all. Um, but just watching, I read, I follow many groups, and I, you know, I watch a lot of webinars and I do different things, and I think the thing amazed me the most was, again, how quickly librarians thought on their feet Mm -hmm. and made things work. I mean, they were helping teachers because unless you were in a place who actually really had technology and everyone had one-to-one computers and they had, you know, Canvas or Blackboard or some of those things, the teachers were really um, struggling getting to this new path, and the librarians were right there helping them with every step, pulling things together, um, coming up with these great original ideas, mm-hmm. and then to watch and see how many people, they did the story times online, you could see the different lessons they were doing. Yeah. I, To me, I thought it really demonstrated the, the power of a quality licensed librarian sure. who can step in And make all those things work.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. So that was exciting. Um, as a professional, because you know you may retire, but you don't really retire when you're a librarian. (laughs) Um, There were so many um, webcasts and webinars and other things for professional development that moved online. Mm -hmm. That everyone worked so hard that we had access to, and all the publishers that um, gave so much content for free that could use. And I think that, that a lot of that is not going to change. I think we've seen what works. And I think there'll be a lot more online virtual yeah. happening because it is difficult. Um I would wonder how many schools this year will even be able to let people out for professional development.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's a good point. So I think that I think that's gonna that's here to stay in some way or another.
0: Yeah. And it's been good because it, it allow, I think it allowed a lot of people talking about professional development to attend PD that they might not have ever been able to go to before because they couldn't get the release time or the travel time or the money, you know, for hotels and all
1: that. So I think it was, it was good. Yes. And almost all of them, then you did it and then they recorded it. So it wasn't like you had to sit the whole time. You could go right. back to things. Right. So again, I think that part has been very helpful.
0: Yeah. Creating that on demand, you know, yes. library in a sense. And I think that's something too, that our librarians noticed with their schools themselves, you know, mm-hmm. that when they created those videos, if they would have saved those videos and they had a little library, you know, of resources that, that they could yes. share around the clock then, you know, with kids or teachers or whoever needed it. on Exactly.
1: The exactly. Yeah. Which just makes you, you know, we're a 24 seven world. So
0: (laughs) I know we, I appreciate that. You know, when I, when I can get to something that I thought, you know, there's no way I'm going to reach it now, you know, at 9 PM or whenever I happen to be up. But um, you know, like I know my own kids, they're, they're both out of school now, college wise, but um, they, they still just assume that things are going to be on demand available, you know, whenever they're anywhere. And so I know their thinking is really a reflection of our, our current students. They they just expect it, (laughs) you know. It's gonna be online. So yeah. All right. So collaboration, I know is your thing. Um, So tell us a little bit. um, Tell
1: like how what where did this passion come from or this interest come from? Oh, that is a really good question. Um, I think number one, I am a natural born collaborator. Okay. Always fun to say oh, you want to come join me and do that? Let's do that together. Why don't we get together? And, you know, from the time I was a child. So that whole thing of working together, playing together to create something, something I thought was wonderful. Yeah. Um, I remember being put out in the hall in second grade (laughs) when I asked the teacher perfectly, sincerely, but why do we always have to have math at nine o'clock? And then, you know, reading at nine 30. And, you know, I couldn't understand why everything had to be so distinct and separate. Uh-huh. So the fact, too, of collaboration is not just people, but um, the collaboration on content. So you get um, a more realistic, in-depth feeling for something. Mm-hmm. That reading and social studies are combined, and or reading and math, which right. you, got, you see there's a collaboration there.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I just feel like collaboration is the key to everything. And honestly, the more helping hands you have in a situation, the better. Yeah. That begins, I think it's interesting, um, new librarians who might be listening, um, you will find if you switch levels at all, um, starting in elementary, elementary teachers are overwhelmed. Elementary teachers, I can say from experience, really do work harder because they teach a full curriculum all day, every day. Mm -hmm. They don't have one area that they teach. You know, they might teach the same number of hours, but they have a lot more prep time and students who aren't not nearly as independent. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you could go to a teacher and say, oh, I heard you're working on such and such, do you want any help? And they're like, yes, because <laughs> their idea is oh, another grown up in the room. I can divide the classes, and that was a great end to start collaborating. Mm-hmm. You are you are chatting with them. I I worked very hard to, um, almost you know spy like collaboration because honestly, in the beginning, and I do have planning collaborative sheets and all those things I used, okay. but. Sometimes when you show up with all those things and say, "Oh, my, I know you teach this. Here's a great unit. It's only going to take us six weeks to do." They're like, oh, oh, way <laughs> slowly. So I would do things like um, hang out by the copier. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, this is when we still use paper, and you see that. What you print? What are you guys going to work on now? Oh, that is so cool. You know. I have a book that might you might really like. it's a new one. or that's great. Maybe you let me take your class and do this such and such. And so you start with those little ideas mm-hmm. because teachers have to get to know you. they're very, very protective of their charges. yes. And they're not just going to release part of their teaching that they're, you know, they're responsible for off to you mm-hmm. just because you're grown up in the building. So you kind of have to start small. So they see, okay, this person actually does know how to teach. She knows how to reach my students. They are coming out with the learning outcomes that we want. So I would just start with those little things. So I'd hang out by the copier. Um, I spent as much time in this teacher's lounge at lunchtime listening in on conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I even hung out because you you never have enough bathroom. So everybody's in a bathroom line Maybe. Yeah, and they're kind of captured people that you come up with ideas, just a few, just enough to be enticing. Yeah. So I think that's something i mean, collaboration, start small and then get bigger. Mm-hmm. So I would do that maybe the first year or so until, okay. um, people got to know me. And then I would say, gosh, can we sit down and talk about some collaborating, um, my, I was in a building that did a, a lot of grade level collaboration. I mean, they planned together as a whole grade, not just as a building yeah. class here, a class there. So then I could say, wow, when you guys are sitting down to talk about that, um, can I just come and listen in? I may have some things I can do to help. And I would do that. And after a little while, I'd say, wow, you're doing this and this, you know, you're, you're switching your classes around. Do you want me to be a next person because the groups could be that much smaller you just give me part of a topic yeah and they loved that um or it got to the point where the second grade had poetry in their language arts curriculum and none of them liked anything to do with poetry okay. so I you know so that was taught teaching in a real drudgery way and I said I love poetry let me do that unit with your kids and so we would create this whole um, great plan that I would have them for like several days at a time and being on a flexible schedule I could do that yeah have the classes come through and we did uh, some really great work together so I think you just have to kind of build it and offer things mm-hmm. and follow through okay
0: yeah I would think that follow through because if you if you don't man you've lost
1: them <laughs> yeah, you're you're burned yeah Um, if you don't follow through with what you've said you'll do. So that is just so important. But I think think the passion also, because I know there are people in the library too, who really want to close the door and do their own thing. And in a way I can understand that, but I really feel like the school library is not the place you go to hide away. The school Mm -hmm. library needs a place where everybody can learn new things, can have a little safe adventuring safe risk taking I always called it mm-hmm. and um, I think collaboration is a great way to have that they're learning something new they can learn to find out there, searching for their resources yeah yeah
0: and I, I'm still thinking about the pandemic you know mm-hmm. a lot of, I know a lot of people would take their show on the road they would call it you know they would put it they would roll into classrooms you know with their yeah. book carts and things and we, we can still continue some of those same things if, if you have someone who can stay behind and check books out for you, you right. know, everybody else, but you can just roll in, you know, they don't have to come to you, you know, you can go to them,
1: oh. which and is, with, yes, the push in. Yeah. And sometimes, yeah, I was lucky enough to have an assistant um, in my last district. And that was it. I could just say, well, let me come into your class. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can work with this small group or a lot of times our students didn't get identified and go out as gifted until third grade. Okay. And there um, several times there'd be a group of like first or second graders who really were gifted, mm-hmm. and, but teachers couldn't, you know, they just didn't have time to really to do that. So they would make a schedule that I could have all of them. There'd be like five or six. Yeah. And I would do um, language arts extensions and different things with them. It was, so we we had book groups and so many things. As a matter of fact, the one year I had them all second grade, these different students, they came to me, oh, about October and they're in third grade and they go, why are we not having book groups anymore? First, the girls came. I said, well, you know, you're in different classes and you have a lot of different things going on. We really still want to do it. I said, okay, let's do it at lunchtime. You know, we can do it once a week. So, yay, we're getting started. And they're little girls and everything is so sweet and nice. Then the boys come along because it was mixed groups before. Mm -hmm. You're starting book groups and we're not here. (laughs) So I said, okay, fine. You guys can do, come. And just to see, I kept them as two separate groups. Okay. Because I always wondered what it would be like. And it was so fun because they were so different. (sighs) Their whole approach to the, the book club and how we reacted and behaved were so vastly different. Um, I loved it all, I loved them. So it's just all these little great things you can do when you're collaborating with teachers because once again, the teachers are really happy that these kids are getting the enrichment that they want want them to have.
0: Mm -hmm. That's good. And while you were talking about that, um, I had recently talked to someone about a library services menu, you know, where they were introducing their services but you could almost have a collaboration menu you know, yeah. you talked about some things that, that sounded like starters. You know, you're just getting started. I want to make these little mini connections. And then here at the end, I'm thinking of like dessert, you know, mm-hmm. where you're, you're talking about the, the extensions and things that you were doing. And then I think exactly. it's getting to the, get, then eventually you'll get to those main courses, you know, where you can do the heavy right. duty um, collaborating that exactly. we, we learn exactly. about. Um, so this, this
1: passion's also led you to uh, write a book. Oh, yes. I, mm-hmm. I have written um, three. The first two I co-wrote with my friend. All right. And um, they were both books about collections of books, actually. The okay. first one was picture book biographies, mm-hmm. which was um, really interesting. Biographies were her passion. Okay. Not as much mine, but but I love standards. Okay. I'm a geek. It's true. <laughs> I love standards. And so I did a lot of pulling together the different content area standards using okay. the national standards. And, um, we did the same thing with our second book, which was the one about LGBTQ books.
0: Okay. I'm
1: just endorse using them with children. So I did a lot of the standards that went along with that one, uh, which we're writing a second edition of right now. Nice. Okay. You know, it'd be nice if I actually could get to work on it. Since my <laughs> pandemic brain is not focusing as well on things. Oh. And then I got to, um, For AASL, we talked about working on a second book because I I did the LGBTQ book with them. And we talked around ideas and they really wanted, um, they have a whole now cohort of books about the standards using the AASL standards. And so mine ended up being secondary because I was in high school at the time. And there aren't any other the books in the set that are dedicated to six through 12 okay but i said well okay it needs to be collaborative they it needs to show how the librarian can work with these different content area Mm -hmm. teachers while they're also fulfilling the aasl standards because it's really important that teachers know that we actually do adhere to standards we have you know, we have things that we need to teach and, you know, they're just as important as yours and all of that. So yes, that was, that was a great labor of love to write that book. I, I enjoyed it. Some days, not so much, but <laughs> some weeks, not at all, but it was really a great experience because I ended up, I started writing them. They were the units of study. So we, okay. because they um, talk about collaboration I had two great editors and we collaborated a lot because the book changed quite a bit from my initial thought
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and their initial thought to what the final pieces were. And um, they wanted to demonstrate how you could really use the standards. So each um, lesson had four, um, each unit had at least four lessons, because you had to hit the inquire, I can't think of it now all the four pieces that go with under each okay so that was quite a bit and then they uh, then they decided they needed four units in each chapter a chapter was one of the six foundations okay. so that was 24 units wow yeah that's I'm like, a lot oh, of writing that's a lot of writing and i realized i could not do that so um, I put out a call and asked people, and I was able to get a lot of different people to write units, okay. which I think added a lot of good depth to the book because everybody's slightly different. but it had to still follow the standard frame, uh, okay. which is where the collaborate the my lesson plan design,
0: okay.
1: and my collaboration planning sheet came from. okay, um, which you'll be able to add into your on your i'll send it to you for your web page okay great but it was so that people could see you could write right on it these are the standards we're meeting standards for your language arts and the standards for my library standards or your social mm-hmm. studies you know and essential questions and all the different pieces and parts um, checks assessments all those things were to be in there to model everything you could do okay yeah, I'm not saying it, like if yes you don't you wouldn't take this to a teacher you're just starting to work with and say look at this great unit we could do together it will take up your whole first grading period and they'd be like ah. but they were just like the grandiose plans but which was great good, good models for to go from okay so if, when
0: you share this the collaboration form that you have um so if they're just starting out how how could they use it since you're Saying it's like super detailed. How would they start
1: well, out? I think in the beginning, I would just go, or we would meet up with the simple collaboration form, which was one page. I think, at, or you can have one page, you know, online and type in. Mm-hmm. And that's when you're really just planning and saying, okay, what, what standards, what indicators do we need to meet? And usually that starts with the classroom teacher saying what they need, and then I could say, oh, great, because I can, these are standards we've not done yet. We can put these together. Um, And maybe we can do it by, what do you think about this? And they're like, well, how about if we do it with that? And you have that great natural conversation planning. And you're just very simply taking some notes. And then once you have an, an idea, then you on the planning thing, you say, okay, we should probably block out how long we think this will take and we need, what resources are we going to need?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Are we going to need um, reference books, books for these topics? You know, do we need computer time? If you don't have event owned computers, uh, what needs to be like online? What do they need to be taught first in order to do this? Do we need to do some basic introduction to um, research? Do we need to teach them a certain database? Okay. So your planning session times are kind of all of those ideas are putting on your collaboration sheet. So you can see what you need to do. And, and you also have a list of this is what the teacher is responsible for, this is what the librarian is responsible for. So you don't think, oh, they're going to teach that and they think you're going to teach that. Mm-hmm. Everything is covered. Okay. But it that can be done very informally together. And then you can type it up nicely and give it to them later.
0: Okay. All right, so that's like a base level. And just, I'm curious, can you think of um, from your past experiences, like the most amazing collaboration you've ever seen happen?
1: Oh, yes. Okay. And this was actually um, earlier in my career where you weren't as tied to all the standardized testing. And so teachers had some more time for creativity. I had two fourth grade teachers fifth grade teachers, who really understood collaboration. And they would say, okay, um, we're thinking about what we're going to do for this. This one was early, um, like, Revolutionary War, social studies. Um, let's sit down and see what we can do with this. And we sat down, the three of us, and uh, we're from the old school where you had, um, where you would web assignments. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm you have a big circle and there's your topic. And then you put lines off and in your little bubbles, you would be putting all the different things you wanted to meet on it. Okay, that was the good old Ohio State, Charlotte Huck generation. And we had all gone through Ohio State and we'd all had this. So we would sit at my big library table and we would get, actually we'd get a big piece of the chart paper. Okay. And we would just start writing down, here's the objective. How can we meet that? What can we do so students walk away knowing this, this, and this? And we, we would put things together. We would play with it. We'd, you know, knock down and we'd take things off because usually they became very, very large ideas. We all had big ideas. <laughs> but this one they had done, um, after they had some, you know, background studies in class, they uh, each had to take on a character from okay. that revolutionary period. Mm -hmm. Um, They weren't as like all, some of the more famous characters, because this was taking place in um, like Boston, where a lot of the revolutionary thinkers were. Mm -hmm. But every student ended up taking on a character and a persona and their job. And we'd had a town hall. Oh, okay. This is like process drama, um, because we had a general idea, but not, you know, a lot of script. And they all came to the town meeting as their various people and would voice their thoughts. Some were concerned about this revolution. I don't know that I want any part of that. Some were very passionate. Some were saying, but you know, I really like the English still being here. And so but they all had to justify their points. Okay. So it was um, it got a little loud, as all town halls would. But it was really, as a teacher, you could watch and see what what they learned Mm -hmm. as they learned about the war and the different parts by what they were, what they were saying, what they were demonstrating, you could see, okay, they understood this piece, they understand that piece, they understand the other pieces. So that was, that was very exciting. We did it in the library, we had it all set up for this meeting. And then afterward, um, we had a tea party for whoever was left, because we were <laughs> right. Tea party. And we actually brought in nice tea dishes and teapots, and and everybody sat down afterward. And that's kind of when we did our debrief of the whole thing, mm-hmm. sitting and drinking tea. And that was another way to really find out what they'd learned and gotten. Right. But, they, you know, they'd researched all the way through and they'd learned so many things. They would pop another library at different times when they can study. Um, and it turned out so successful, just so successful for everyone. Because you, with something like that, you can give people larger than life spots and smaller spots, so everybody could be as active and engaged as they comfortably felt.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's you know not everybody's going to want to stand up and spout off like Paul Revere,
0: right. but
1: they can still have a lot of background information they might bring to share in small pieces.
0: Yeah, I love that. That that is definitely something to aspire.
1: Oh aspire yeah, to. and that was yeah. and this was the kind of team that you really could do that with some mm-hmm. some classes. Um, were ne- not that comfortable or wouldn't be that comfortable but this this group this teachers really really were okay so we did several things like that so, oh.
0: that is awesome. Very, awesome very awesome all right liz well so is it, so this kind of wrapping up the i not can't wrap it up really but collaboration <laughs> is so huge but um, just as yeah. far as like the main points that you want to share is there any kind of closing thoughts on collaboration Do you want to be sure they the audience hears
1: yes Um, to be very successful at collaboration you cannot come on too strong Hmm. but you do need to drop those little gentle hints and suggestions okay um you should always make a space in your library where teachers feel especially welcome maybe you have a candy jar they frequent or you always had the cure coffee pot going whatever works um for the space you have and the kind of teachers you have. Because if they sometimes drop in to your space instead of just always running in and out of the teacher's lounge, mm-hmm. you have a lot more chances for those informal conversations. Because they'll get to the point where they'll go, you know, I'm thinking about, such as what read aloud should I do? Or do you have a new resource we could? And you start those with those smaller things. So, and they're comfortable because they'll come to you. You're not always then going to them. Yeah. And then, and then you build from there recognizing it's not happening overnight. Okay. Good point. Very good point. All right. So it has been
0: a pleasure talking to you. Um, it, I've enjoyed this a lot. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, you, obviously, you know, a lot that, that you share with people. Um, where, do you, where do you go to keep learning yourself? Like what kind of things do you, do you go uh, to for inspiration and
1: learning? Well, this this whole everything being online has been wonderful, but I I like to learn, so I still read professional journals. Okay. I buy professional books if they're related to something I'm interested in. I also am, belong to several um, Facebook groups. There's okay. the secondary school librarians. There's um, future ready librarians. There's just school librarians. There's so many different groups that you can target it at. If you're elementary, um, what's a picture books as primary sources. There's one that my friend Maureen um, Sullivan does because she did it. Her ASL book was on using picture books for lessons. Okay. Right. And she has a lot of things if you're in that level. I also use my um, Twitter as a PL on my personal learning network. Yeah. So I follow certain people that I know I'm going to get some good thinking ideas from. Right, right. Um, all those things are, and I, and I watch webinars and the other thing I want to throw out there, no matter where you are in all of this, the real importance of getting involved. Mm-hmm. Yes. Involved at your school. Um, I suggest getting involved with PTA. Okay. They're a great funder. Um, and they can be a really great support. Um, if things get rocky for something there, they'll come right to your aid, um, also get involved in your state and national organizations.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, not saying you have to go run for an office, but even if you're still a student or you're just getting started, you are you start making connections with people that you're emailing with and sharing things with, and you can learn so much from each other. You can ask questions and then you kind of learn where you want to be involved or mm-hmm. who you want to talk to because you want to learn more about. Right. So I, I can't, I can't stress that um, strongly enough
0: Okay. because we're
1: not isolated and we're not the little people who sit behind the desk and wait for somebody to come. We're ready to jump out there with everything, but we have to know. Right. Yeah. We, I mean, we want our kids to be
0: lifelong learners and and that same thing holds for us. That needs to be a, basically like a disposition, you know, that we have that, that we're still curious and still learning. So.
1: Yes. That is so true.
0: Yeah. All right. So Liz, for our listeners who want to connect with you, where will they find you online?
1: Well, I have several resources. I am on Twitter. Okay. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Lizbrary.
0: Lizbury. Oh, okay.
1: Lizbrary. Right. like library. Okay. Uh, that's also my license plate on my car. Cute. I know. <laughs> um, I'm on Facebook as Liz Deskins. You can um, ask my friend. I don't really have an Instagram thing going. My son says I'm old because I don't, but it's like, <laughs> you know, I'll watch some, but look. Um, I'm just now getting a new web page, which should be up anytime. My, my brother is working on it. He, he does this for a living. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, you know, the carpenter's little sister. But it will be called, it'll be www.lizdeskins.com. Perfect. So right. It will have, Things on that. I I'll probably start a blog again and things like that. Okay. So you can find me. Very And awesome. I like to be found.
0: Yes. Well, it's been a pleasure chatting with you today, Liz. And, and I look forward to much. sharing uh, you with the audience and, and the links that you'll share with me about the collaboration. We'll have that online. And um, the audience, you can go to larshindeman.com and go to the blog and you'll find the links from Liz's um, talk today. So Liz, thanks again for your time. It's been a pleasure meeting you and I look forward to following you and keep learning from
1: you. Thank you, Laura. I love this. This is great. That's so awesome. thank you, Brim.
0: You're welcome. Have a
1: great day. Bye-bye.